So my name is Jose Cabrera, and this is who I am. guest today is the artist Jose Cabrera. Hey Jose, thank you for, for coming down to the garage tonight and uh, joining me to do this. Um, you just said that you, you uh, were, before we started, you were talking about how you enjoy the drive over and it gave you a chance to listen to music because you work. Where, whereabouts is it that you work? You said you work close to home. and Oh uh, yeah, um, the Miracle Mile area, mm -hmm. Mid Wilshire, near Beverly Hills, Mid Wilshire, Miracle Mile, that area right around LACMA mm -hmm. uh, and the Tar Pits. Oh, nice. I don't live in the tar pits. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but sometimes, you know, I, I walk the tar pits all the time. Yeah. So it's like, it's our neighborhood. It's about eight years we've been living in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So And where were you, you, before that, you were in Mexico, you said? Yeah, we were in Mexico. My wife and I were in Mexico. We were living in Querétaro. Mm -hmm. um, and we were working with uh, the government um, to establish uh, domestic violence policy and programs mm -hmm. something that they didn't have there in that specific state they've had it you know in mexico city mm -hmm. but in, in queretaro queretaro new york new york uh, <laughs> they um they didn't have anything like that so um they took they, they they heard that we were in town and they were like hey you're therapist no we were working with the governor's wife who's part of the uh called the cps out there mm -hmm. child protective services um, and, and she becomes, once the governor gets uh, uh, instated, she becomes the head of the CPS. Um, and, and she knew of us and we were, and she wanted to collaborate with us. So we mm -hmm. sat with her and kind of uh, created a blueprint for domestic violence programs out there. Um, and you might ask like, oh, so how do you, how do you know so much about domestic <laughs> violence? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that's my day job. Mm -hmm. At night, I'm you know in, I'm in the my own garage, right? Doing yeah. art and 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 sussing it out. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh we were out there and um, had a a, a a blessed privilege. It was an honor. It was a lot of things for us to to be out there and be able to work with um, with the culture, mm -hmm. and the population, and to really be helpful and and and. and and be of service to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Where did you grow up? I grew up in New York. Oh, okay. New York, New York. I was born on 101st Street and Fifth Avenue, oh, wow. Metropolitan Hospital. Yeah. yeah. No silver spoon in the mouth, though. <laughs> 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 uh, up, I, I, I grew up most of, most of my childhood. Um, I bounced around a little bit. I was in the Bronx mm -hmm. for for a minute, for about well, not a minute, four four years. If I'm forward a year, I was born in Manhattan. Then we moved out to the Bronx until I was about five, mm -hmm. and then came back to Manhattan. No, that's not true. We moved out to Elizabeth, New Jersey, that, but I want to forget that, you know, <laughs> the New Jersey part. <laughs> we moved back to New York, to Washington Heights, um, and then for the, you know, for the remainder of my child and adolescence and mm -hmm. young adult up until like 29. Right. You know, so, mm. yeah. What did your parents do? Um, that's a good question. My mother was just a worker. She cleaned homes mm -hmm. um and my dad my dad and my mom divorced early on mm. so i was basically raised by a single mommy and my sister and my older brother but my older brother he's like 10 years older than than we are right so he moved out you know he was on his own kind of doing his thing um and we were the first generation born um, me and my sister my brother was immigrated over with my mom mm -hmm. um he came afterwards he he kind of stayed behind for like a minute until she could settle herself in New York. She came about um, in 68, mm, mm -hmm. right? And I was born, this is going to date me, right? You're like, oh, they know how old you are. <laughs> uh, I was born in 1970, two years later. My brother's 10 years, 11 years older than me. He came later, right around when I was born, mm -hmm. maybe like a year in. Um, yeah, and so we, I, I, you know, New York is my stomping ground, like, you know, like, I, I, you know, I, I walk from Battery Park all the way to up to Riverside, so I know like every nook and cranny mm. of, of New York for the most part. Right? Yeah, the old 
New York in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. And that's, a little bit of the 90s, right? Yeah. And the 90s was when it was really changing. That was like Giuliani, the, yeah. yeah. He bust everybody out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <pretty laughs> he, said he gave everybody free tickets. Hey, we got free tickets for you guys. And they got on the bus <laughs> and they shipped them out. Hmm. What was it like growing up in New York at that time? Was it? Was um, it? it was fantastic. Um, and it was scary at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can isolate yourself. I was in Washington Heights and you're in Manhattan, but it was all Dominicans. So mm-hmm. basically you go into a bodega and you speak Spanish. You go into the curtain store, you speak Spanish. You go into, Wool- actually Woolworth, I, that was my first job. Woolworth was owned by Mr. A and Mr. B. Mm-hmm. I couldn't pronounce their last names. So they didn't even try. They just <laughs> call us Mr. A Mr. B. And, uh, and it was great. Um, they got, I, that was my first job at hmm. Woolworth. And that was, was that the big one by Penn Station? Or? No, no. This was up in Washington Heights on 181st Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's, there, I, is there still one there? I don't think there, there's I the think Woolworth building. Yeah. Right? There's the Woolworth building, which was the tallest building in New York at one point before mm-hmm. the Empire State Building went up. Um, but, um, but yeah, we, we worked, um, I worked at, in, uh, at Woolworth. And that was my first job uh, in, in Washington Heights. But growing up in New York was great because um, it was right around the time. It was filthy. New York City was dirty. I mean, you couldn't walk around. Like, it was just garbage everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, I, there was a TV show on, on Netflix called The Get Down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you've seen it, but it, it, it's I think it's the Bronx, I believe. I started watching it. I got... I got like flashback trauma, right? Like looking at the, <laughs> I was like, oh no. Um, but um, but New York was fun. I got I got I had the privilege of going to um, my uh, art school for mm-hmm. high school. I went to music and art, mm-hmm. the Fame School, right? And oh yeah. That, so that was a school where they had it was it was separate before 1984 was when they joined performing arts, right? And uh, music and art, which mm-hmm. was in uh, near CUNY. On her and 35th Street. Um, so they combined both schools um, at, at Lincoln Center near Juilliard. It was right across the street from Juilliard. Mm-hmm. So I had the privilege of like being in Lincoln Center area, going to LaGuardia High School, right, music and art, and, and walking by and seeing the dancers going to Juilliard. And, mm-hmm. and you know, 59th Street Columbus Circle was one of my stops. You know? yeah. like, and this is on a daily, on a daily for like four years right, of high school. And we were the first class to graduate from uh, um, uh, in nineteen eighty four is when they had the the grand opening of music and art, mm-hmm. and we were the first class to the first first freshmen in in the high school, um, so it was great. Um, yeah, it was a good it was a good education. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed being at that school, and, and you know they were they were figuring it out. You know the auditorium wasn't built yet. Yeah, you know, and they had you know, but we had some great teachers, some great mentors too. I remember. Mm. Really did, nice. did you have a sense of it being something very new and uh, like was there was there a community that was building around this idea at that time or was that already in New York and it was just focused because of that you mean the school itself the school yeah um, well Music Gunnar was already kind of uh, or, or the, the well, you know the fame right the, the, the school which was you know when it's a um, kind of started because of that movie um I, I don't know. That's a good question. At 14, I, I don't know if it's <laughs> developing communities, you know, other than having mentors. I mean, the, the, the community, if, if, if I can recollect, the community would then be the mentors that I had mm-hmm. in junior high school or middle school, as they call it here, um, all through, through, through high school, right, about, you know, coming from a, you know, a space where you were disenfranchised, you know, you were just like, you're not going to make it or you got to get out of the ghetto or this sucks here. You got to mm-hmm. go somewhere else. Right. And that was the idea. Like you were in a bad place and you had to get out. And these mentors were in your ear like, Hey, you're talented. You can draw. Why don't you put a portfolio together and, and apply for music and art rather than going to your local zone high school mm-hmm. you know, where everything is, you know, like it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, sure. And they were like, you know, this one teacher, Miss, Miss Hawkins really took a, an interest in me, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, interesting to me right that she's taking interest in me and i'm like okay yeah and i would go out and i told my mother mom i gotta get a portfolio 
what's that? You know, like, <laughs> what, is, what is a portfolio? You know, oh, you know, you go to the art school. We went to, uh, I remember going to Pearl Paint in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. You know, big, I think it's still there. You know, we're talking like like late 70s, early 80s, going to Pearl Paint, you know, and 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 looking for a portfolio, asking the guy, where's, what what's a portfolio? And it's the cheapest one, you know, mm-hmm. like we have, you know. So I put a portfolio together, applied to music and art, and, and I was very singular in, like I knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. My brother wanted me to go to Bronx Science. My older brother, he's like, you got to go to Bronx Science. He was like, he was a good role model for me. He was, a, you know, going into banking and he was you know, 11 years older than me. He, I want you to go to Bronx Science. Bronx Science was one of like those really, um, Bronx Science, Brooklyn Tech were really important schools and you had to take this long, you know, exam to get in. And mm-hmm. um, I forget what they're called. They're called like uh, specialty schools, right? Um, and you get in them, you kind of streamline to go to you know the the big the, the good colleges, right? People yeah. they they're always recruiting, right? For, from from those schools, and if you're in Bronx Science, you're pretty smart. But I I told my brother, I said, sure, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be in the arts, mm-hmm. and there was no you know deviation from that. I was really focused, so I lied to him. I said, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this, um, I lied to him. I said, yeah, sure. I took the I went and took the exam. I didn't get in. Oh, you know. He didn't mm-hmm. ask me for proof. Um, so, but I got into to music and art. The other school, which was um, art and design, mm-hmm. you know, that was like your default. You know, like for for the arts. You know, yeah. And you really wanted to get into music and art right? uh, at Fiorello, um, and it was great riding the trains, taking the A train. You know, and, and getting off at, at, at Columbus Circle, walking, mm-hmm. or you can take get off at 66th Street and walk through Lincoln Center, right? And walk through Avery Fisher Hall and lacrosse and go underneath these tunnels and see, you know, like I would see, uh, um, I remember walking through the tunnels and, and they had all the musicals up, like Showboat or Gypsy and, and you know, Tyne Daly was in Gypsy at that time. So it was like the early, you know, like like in that t- during that time, those those uh, musicals. And I didn't know I liked musicals back mm-hmm. then, right? But I remember <laughs> seeing these posters, right? Later on, I, I really liked musicals. Um, and would see them as an adult go to go to Broadway, mm-hmm. take advantage of, of the cheap tickets or yeah. whatever the off off days. Um, but yes, yeah, school going to school was really special. It was really uh, I, I was lucky mm-hmm. going to a good high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it was great education, great mentors. Um, seeing still being a virgin and drawing the nude model, right? That's <laughs> that's pretty special, <laughs> right? <laughs> You don't know what to do with that. You're like, oh Lord, you know. Like <laughs> tomorrow we're gonna have the nude model in the night before. I'm like, what are we gonna do? And calling my friend, like, man, you know. And then we, she came out, and we we're all giggling, <laughs> fourteen year olds, you know, pubescent boys. But after that, it was just like cool, and we just got into it. Mm-hmm. We just started drawing, mm-hmm. and she, we didn't objectify her as much. <laughs> you know, it was just like, oh, we're we're drawing, and 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 from there it was just that, you know, that respect for the. I don't know. That's why I think, you know, being respectful of the space and seeing like that she was a human and also that she was in a very vulnerable space, um, but she was a pro too at what she mm-hmm. was doing. And it just kind of made me see past the object, object, objectification of a, of a woman, let's mm-hmm. just say, um, or a man for that matter, um, and draw. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just draw. It was great. You said that you you knew you wanted to do. Uh, where did that come from? How how far back did you? When when did that moment hit you that you realized you wanted to be involved in art? Yeah. Um, wow, that's a great question. Comics definitely led me mm. to for that love. I would just draw comic books, and it was something to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, well, there was one moment that stays really cemented in my memory uh, that comes up is. I remember this is the Elizabeth. I have to bring Elizabeth, New Jersey, back into this, this the mix because I was trying to, disc- you know, uninclude uh, that part of my my jumping around. But but there but I was in school that I can't remember the name of the school. Um, but I remember there was a contest, right? We had to draw this clown. So mm-hmm. we had a clown up on the wall, and it wasn't really a contest. It was more like you know draw the clown, right? But somehow got competitive. You know, we live in a competitive society, so. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, the kids were like, which is the best one, right? So they started, you know, like saying, oh, look at Susie's or look at Juan's or look at Jose's or whatever. Um, and I remember um, I thought my clown was pretty good. I was like, I'm, I'm going to win this, right? Mm-hmm. I did the best best clown, I thought. But then I think it was Susie 
you know, one. And I was second. It's like, oh, that's not too bad, second, you know, out of like whatever, how many, ever many kids there were. And I remember taking that home and I was like, I was like, I got I, I to gotta beat her. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get better. Mm-hmm. Right? I got to get better, you know. Um, and I remember that. I remember that, that, that knowing that I had some skill, but that I had to get better. So mm-hmm. then I started drawing comic books, copying comic books, copying The Flash, copying Superman, just copying it. And I would compete actually with my cousin who drew. Cousin was a little older. He was five years older than me. And he lived out in Queens. And, and, and we would go out to his house and we would have these you know, competitions and we would draw. And my older cousin, the, uh, her, his sister would be the judge and be like, oh, you know, Jose, his name is Jose also, but they call him Junior, you know, and Junior would be like, you know, so Junior won. And, and I was like, I got to beat this guy. I got to <laughs> redeem for the clown, you know, the clown <laughs> episode of my life. So I got better and I got better. And there was this one drawing that I did. It was the Hulk. Mm-hmm. I remember the Hulk. And I did this Hulk and I was drawing it and we came back and she was like, well, there's a new champ. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, take that. You know? <laughs> How do you like them hoaxes? Um, so, um, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty interesting. It was, uh, yeah. So then from there, I just kept drawing and mm-hmm. drawing, just, just, I'd, and it was for me a way of escaping too. You know, um, you know, we want to talk, we want to get weepy, and you know, like, like stuff was not, like, easy in my house. Let's mm-hmm. just say for the, for, for lack of a better you know, scenario, it wasn't easy. So it was a good way of escaping. It was kind of like this therapy hmm. um, for me um, to draw. And then I got really good at it. Hmm. You know, it just took practice. I just did it over and over again. It hmm. was, I mean, I, I could tell you that I was talented, right? But I, I it was more like I worked hard at it. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I'm looking and, and studying, right? And, and copying, you know, Marvel guys, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, that's where I think I got the talent, right? As I put my fingers up in quotes, air quotes. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was very interesting hmm. to to get that understanding of, you know, where I got my, my love for, if that's such a thing, love, right? Yeah. I still, yeah, yeah, drawing a lot, a lot of drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What, and, and with comics, how did they come into your life do you remember when yeah comics you know they were all over the place you'd go you know we'd we'd roll out of school and we'd go um to the corner smoke they call them smoke shops right so they sell like a lot of cigars and smoke and you know kids you know that kids were their their favorite customers because right? <laughs> <laughs> they were their future customers right but they wouldn't sell to us but you know they had comic books so they had cigarettes and comics you mm-hmm. know? so you know where that's going right <laughs> you know reynolds right like they, marlboro they're like yeah let's get put comic books up against the uh the, the the cigarettes but yeah we would um we would get our snack and we would get our our, our weekly uh, fix, right? Depending on what title came out, like mm-hmm. Spider Man, you know, I'm I'm all there, you know. I've, I have my my quarter or my fifty cents, you know, uh, uh, and you know, I was like, yeah, you know, I'd buy. And I think around the time that I was collecting comic books, they were up to like seventy five cents mm-hmm. for a comic book. I don't know how much they are now. I haven't bought a comic book in a long time. Mm. Um, you know, like four dollars. Four dollars now, yeah. yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, 75 cents. And I remember buying the titles and those were important. Um, and I would pick up titles like Spider-Man, Rom, Space Knight, Conan the Barbarian. Um, I even like, I saw Gru, mm-hmm. right? The Wander Sergio Aragones, uh, a title. Um, and I looked at it and I was like, mm. and I picked one up. I remember one time and I said, I'll take this. Um, but I was like, this is not Spider-Man. This is not John Romita Jr. Or this is not John, <laughs> you know, Busema, which Conan. Or this is not like, you know, John Byrne. You know, these are my favorite. Like my, my three favorite comic book guys are all Johns. Yeah. Right? <laughs> John Busema, John Byrne, and, uh, and uh, John Romita Jr. You know, his dad was not, no, you know, nothing to sneeze at. He was pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but, and Sal was really good. Uh, yeah, John. Sal seemed like the fullback guy for a lot of stuff. I remember he would just come in and he'd do the work and oh yeah yeah Yeah. and i i I went through a period where i was i would get i would get the avengers because he was drawing it oh yeah 
but I never read it. I, I had no interest in it. I can't. I, I tried reading a couple of issues, and I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But I would just look at his artwork. So, yeah. but yeah, the the, um, the was it was um, John Romita uh, Junior doing Spider Man at that point, or was he on X Men? Yeah, at that yeah. Point? He was doing Spider Man. Okay. Me. I mean, his Spider Man with the Wrecking Crew and all <laughs> yeah. that. You mm-hmm. know, the Vulture. Like mm-hmm. that was just awesome <laughs> stuff, man. That was just good stuff. And the Juggernaut, you know, and the Juggernaut. Yeah, Juggernaut was part of the X-Men, but he also had some some run-ins with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember the one where, you know, he he has Juggernaut, he buries Juggernaut in like this quicksand of cement. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just like under there, he's like, I got him, you know, whatever. But yeah. Juggernaut is Juggernaut, right? Yeah. Is that a, that's, um, is that the one with Madam Web? On the- I think so. I think so. I, I don't quite remember the storyline so much. I just remember just the the epic moments in there where mm-hmm. like like someone's getting like you know with the hobgoblin when he dies like that you know like those are the moments i remember but as far as storylines i don't quite remember the uh, ancillary like characters mm. in there the yeah. sidekicks or the side characters but but yeah no those those comic books really for me were fun rom space night was just offbeat mm-hmm. and just like bizarre you know a friend of yeah. mine javier hernandez i don't know if you know him mm-hmm. yeah um, we talk, I, whenever I talk Rom, you know, his lights, his eyes light up. Like, <laughs> Rom, you know, like, he loves Rom. And I love Rom. I mean, I can't, I can't even touch Javier. He's, he knows so much you mm-hmm. know, about comics. Um, but I love just, you know, hearing him talk about it, you know, him and his friend, Ted, Ted Seiko. Yeah. You know, they get together and they're just talking. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but I love it. You know, it's awesome to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, comics were a huge influence, I'd say, in my art, right? But I never wanted to become a comic book artist. Mm. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I want to be a comic book artist. Um, I don't know. I just, um, I, you know, I, I didn't think I was good enough to be a comic book artist. Mm. There was this one cat in high school who, there's always that one guy who could draw, like, balls. Like, that guy's so good. You're like, damn. And it just everyone go, like just defeated. Mm-hmm. He was just he was like on the level of like like a young John Byrne. He mm. could draw that well, you know, and like just the action. He just it's out of his head. And you're like, oh man, you're horrible. It's so good <laughs> that you're horrible. We hate you. Um, but a real asshole. I remember he was a real asshole. So I don't know what he's doing today. You know, he's like maybe he's like the guy, and I don't recognize him. He's like he's, um, <laughs> he's got all the awards, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, bad guys do finish first, you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I didn't, I, I don't think I ever wanted to be a, a comic book artist, um, but I just like drawing, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know what direction I was going in, but I had a few good mentors in high school, Mr. Bing, um, a very flamboyant, gay black man, bald, short black man, um, was, what took a, took an interest in me in high school, um, and you know, and I knew he was gay, and I was just like, "Is he trying to hit on me?" But he was not. He was legit. He was mm-hmm. really like, "I want," you know. He says, "I see talent in you, um, and I want to support you." And um, and he really pushed me, because my aspirations were like, "Yeah, I'll finish high school and then I'll get a job." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, you're going to college." He said to me, "You go to college," you know, in this very flamboyant way. He's like, "Jose, you're going to college, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's the bottom line." And I was like, "Okay, Mr. Bing." I'm going to college, <laughs> so he helped me put a kick-ass portfolio together, mm-hmm. and then and then I applied, and I just applied to one school. Mm. Again, very singular, like I just kind of just my path. I just chose one. I was like, I'll go to that one, and it was in in uh, in Baltimore, mm-hmm. Micah, Maryland Institute College of Art, mm-hmm. great college, um, small, um, cheap at the time. Mm. I think I paid for four years. I think I paid. People will cry. I paid thirteen thousand for four years. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had some Pell grants, but like thirteen thousand, even with the Pell grants, that's pretty good. Good yeah. education for a year. How did you know about the college, yeah. Mr. Bing? Okay, Mr. Bing was like, you should go. He he knew about the school's reputation. He mm-hmm. knew about you know what words you know. He just he wanted me to go to the Philadelphia School of the Arts, or or. Um, or Baltimore, um, Micah. And he said, you should also apply to Cooper Union in New York, um, right around 8th Street, St. Mark's area. And I said, and 
And I said, no, I want to leave New York. Mm. I think, I think, and he says, I think you're right. You should get out of here. I was like, cool. And it's not too far. Mm-hmm. From Baltimore to New York. It's about maybe, I want to say three, four hours south. So, yeah, I went to school. I went to college mm-hmm. in 88. And that was, that was great. It was one of the best experiences mm. also along with high school. I, I had pretty good the schooling. <laughs> the schooling was good to me. It yeah. was really good to me. It was really good to me. Great experiences. What was uh, what was influencing you with your art at that time? And do you remember if um, if it changed dramatically going to college and leaving New York, or, or was it quite set? You mean like as far as what was influencing me artistically? Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, yeah, no, I nobody, nothing. Like I wasn't influenced by anything other than still in, still having. Um, being good at drawing, but nothing was in. Oh no, no, no! I did, I did. Okay, now it's coming back to me. I illustrators, um, like Brad Holland. I mm-hmm. don't know if you that know that illustrator. Um, I remember um, in high school he came to talk, um, and I remember seeing his illustrations, and they were really cool. And we went to the Illustrator Society in New York. Um, they really, um, like, like the Frick Museum, the Frick Collection, we would go, the Whitney, mm-hmm. all these little small collections. We, you know, they, the, the, our school music and art would send us off and like go, you know, study and look at this and, and go to the Met, you know, like always at the Metropolitan Museum. I was always kind of exposed to the Guggenheim, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was our homework, right? <laughs> to go to these great <laughs> museums, right? And we were, those were like our second home. Mm-hmm. And I've been to the Metropolitan Museum of Art so many times, right? Drawing, you know, some statue's ass or something, you know, <laughs> their legs and studying them and coming back with our homework assignment. Mm-hmm. And all our friends, with everybody was in the same class, we'd go together and group together, troop together out there. But, um, but yeah, yeah, now that you're saying, um, and I like the illustrations. I like the Illustration Society, and we went there and looking at all the illustrations. And Brad Holland's work really stuck out for me, even though it was not anything that I was familiar with. It was very kind of blurry, kind of very like nothing that was comic book and action oriented. It was like a mood, like a mm. like like this emotion that came through that wasn't kind of prevalent in comic books, right? Other than, you know, Mary Jane and Spider-Man crying or something yeah. with the kissing upside down or whatever, right? <laughs> that, you know, but but these these illustrations and these, this work really resonated with me and it was more accessible than, let's say, a Monet or, or a Manet or, or what have not. Um, and those, and it stuck for me. And I was like, I was, that was interesting. But other than that, that was it. You know, hmm. and then when I went to school, I was exposed. When I went to college, excuse me, I, I, was, I was more exposed to because uh, I, I minored in illustration and majored in graphic design. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, beginning to see who was out in the industry, what what was going on was pretty interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and just studying, like, who was who was out there making money, right? What mm-hmm. was it like? You know, like, we, we found out, like, Brad Holland would make a million dollars for, like, an illustration. So maybe that was the rumor going around. <laughs> right? But, like, like, a good chunk of money, you know? And, and he... No, he came to, was it, was it in college? I forget. Maybe it was in college that he came in and I asked him a question. I said to him, I said to him, um, it was a stupid question. I feel, I feel embarrassed even saying it now, but I asked him, what kind of car do you drive? <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me like, like you're a schmuck, <laughs> you know, and he was, and he was just like, like he didn't even answer me. He's like, next question. <laughs> I just sat there like, oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, art, you know, at that time was very, you know, it's just learning about it. You know, I had to take all the, the disciplines, like photography mm-hmm. with, you know, with the chemicals, you know. There was no digital cameras back then, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I had to do ruby lifts for, you know, typesetting. We had mm-hmm. to typeset all our, 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 our stuff for, for our typography, taking typography, typography class, um, they just started bringing in computers around 90. Hmm. So I started in 88 and in 89, I remember you know, their first Apple II, like the big honking, great, like beige computers, right? Mm-hmm. And there you can you can use type, you can set type and then print it out on the printer and then, and then you have to cut it out. <laughs> <Still>. <laughs> 
you weren't laying anything out in Cork Express. I don't even think that was then there yeah. then Cork Express. Maybe, um, but yeah. So yeah, we we got a definite, you know, introduction to to technology early early technology. But everything was based like sculpture, sculpting. We did sculpting. Um, I got the privilege of taking a class with. A, a, a great writer. I didn't even know she was a great writer. I didn't even know who Ensozaki Shanghi was, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, something about colored girls. I forget the the play um, name, but she was my teacher. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I was like, oh yeah, she's she's pretty well known. She's like uh, like on Broadway. I was like, oh okay, great Ensozaki Shanghi. Um, and and just great teachers, a great exposure to education, you know, to the arts. In Baltimore, Baltimore also has a great collection, the Walters Art Gallery, mm-hmm. and all of um, Charles Street. You go down, down to Fells Point. Um, I saw, um, is it John Waters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Waters, mm-hmm. Divine. I saw him at one of the bars, the dives out there. I remember him with his thing, and he was checking me out, you know, and I was like, who's that? He's like, that's John Waters, you know? <laughs> I was like, oh, he did The Crybaby, you know? Like we just The movie had just come out or something like that with Johnny mm-hmm. Depp. Um, but he's a Baltimore, you know, person. Yeah. Um, but Baltimore was great, but I wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was fun for the four years that I was there. I had a great time. Um, but it was pretty interesting. Like they couldn't, they didn't know what to make of me. Hmm. Right. This woman, I wor- I was working in the mailroom at, at, at the school, and she said to me one day, she said, um, after after many, you know. Um, months working there she says what are you black or white (laughs) i said said, said, have you ever heard of dominican (laughs) she didn't know she didn't know so so that was interesting like to know like like cultural kind of differences and you know there was definitely segregation even in the Mm. late 80s early 90s it was like you know i would go i went i remember going to the post office and it was in um the majority of it was a black neighborhood you know and growing up like black neighborhood white like harlem and everything everybody you know mixed in yeah. new york but going there i was going to the post office and it was like looking at me like on my bike like what are you doing here mm-hmm. you know whatever and i was like i'm going to the post office <laughs> 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 you know but i felt unwelcomed in mm. that area or 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 not unwelcome but looked upon like what what who are you you don't look like any of us you don't look like white person you don't look like a black person mm-hmm. what are you doing what are you you know um, and you get these looks, and I just remember mailing the stuff and then getting out of there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Baltimore, you know, I I don't go back to visit often, you know. Um, but uh, but I, I have fond memories of Baltimore mm. and school, I mean, going to Micah. But, mm. yeah. Did you have a um, an idea of where to go from there? What what was the the path after Micah? Was it laid out, or did you did you just see this is when college ends and then that's it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, happen. totally lost. Mm. No direction. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing there. I didn't, you know, like I was singular, meaning like decisions I made were singular. Like I was like, I know that seems right to me. Mm-hmm. Like, not that I knew that, you know, I, I was gonna go to. Uh, music and art but my teacher said music and art. i was like yeah that's it right mm-hmm. like, so my mentors were like you're going to micah mr bing i'm like yeah singular right so afterwards there was no real mentor mm-hmm. no real like direction other than you know um just getting a job right and then but you know what right after school i didn't go for a job mm. I, I actually wanted to be a writer. Mm. So I dropped everything and I bought the, I forget what the book is called. It's like the, the writer's guide, you know, and you mm-hmm. look at all the agencies and whatever. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That big book, right? So I, I, I started riding the trains, the subways in New York. I went back home, went into my childhood bedroom and I was 22 and I decided, not decided, I just said, I'm just going to ride the trains and write. I'm going to write everything I see because that's what they said, you know, observe and observe and observe mm-hmm. and write everything. So I started writing everything. So for like about a year, and I have all the composition books still in my garage of that time. It's fantastic. It was more than diary writing, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, have you ever kept a diary? I was like, no. I was like, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> like, <laughs> volumes of it, you know. So I was writing, and I my influences there were like... Um, like, I liked Henry Miller, Charles Bukowski. I was reading all of Bukowski and mm-hmm. Miller and, 
and the way they rode and, and some other writers and that kind of offbeat. I, I did a little Kerouac, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to be a writer and I was writing poetry mm. and I was drinking whiskey and trying to live this life. <laughs> and, like, trying to like emulate like drink a cigar and my mom's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> put that cigar out. <laughs> Um, and whiskey she's like why are you drinking whiskey you don't even drink I was like yeah but still so you know I would I I was writing all the time writing poetry and uh, and trying to write novels and and, you know and just and I kept doing that for a while and then I read um, I read Juno Diaz's Drown Mm -hmm. in 96 and I was like "Mm." so I packed it up (laughs) I said he did he was the writer that I thought I was Mm mm-hmm he was amazing. Like his 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 description was my world. Like his world his world was my world. I was like, you're you're writing about plastic covered sofas, right? You're 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 writing about the food mm-hmm. that I wanted to describe and so well. Like it was just like off foot. I was like, nah man. He was in the New York <laughs> Times, you know, like in the book review section. That's mm-hmm. when we had the newspapers back then. And I was like, oh my god, I bought the book and I was like, wow. You know. It was like envy. Mm. Like pure envy, you know. Um Why do you think he didn't have that that the the competitiveness that came out with, with drawing, with writing? What do you think? Whose competitiveness? When you you said that when you were drawing, you would go up against like uh, oh, Pierre at the moment right. with the clown, and uh-huh. I would have um, a junior, and you wanted right. to be better than him. But what 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 was it about writing that made you think, no, I can't, I can't? Well, get have you that. read his stuff? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty phenomenal Pulitzer Prize winning. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I was like, there's no way, man. Wait, I mean, it was pretty phenomenal, you know. And mm-hmm. and it was it was good envy. It wasn't like I was like, Ugh. it was more like. Oh wow! Like this guy does it well, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I still, you know, I, I like to write, but but that was, you know, you know, that was for me just kind of like okay, let me go back to drawing, mm-hmm. you know, because <laughs> I do that really well, you know. Um, I would say I was a mediocre writer, you know, and, uh, and 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 then I became more of a technical writer when I you know wrote my thesis and mm-hmm. you know, I had to write APA style, so I got really good at it, you know, as far as you know, boring writing, you know, <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just poetic. It was just beautiful, you know. Um, but I still went at it as far as sometimes I would write, write poetry and what happened. But I wasn't doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was brilliant. Um, so I started, um, I went to make money actually after writing every day, you know, for about a year. I went and got a job uh, doing construction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still didn't want to do so I started, started doing construction. So I was working with these guys and my stepdad. Um, stepdad from Jersey. He's from Jersey. This old white guy. At the time he wasn't old, but he was this white guy who was, you know, married to my mom. Mm-hmm. And he was a real ball buster. But it was fun to, you know, he would we were driving he had a Harley. <laughs> so we would go we would go to like uh, Rockland, where he was, we were working on this house, and mm-hmm. right in the back, like this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I would ride, get the helmet, you know, ride. Um, and his buddy would come, he also had a motorcycle. We were riding these motorcycles down the Cross Bronx Expressway, you know, to Rockland. Um, so that was fun, and I was doing that for another year, you know, just not going slow, just ex- exploring the world, mm-hmm. kind of like, ah, you know. Um, and not not in a hurry to get anywhere, mm-hmm. right? And 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 not because I was intentional about it. It's just like I was just like, mm, you know, like didn't didn't take so much regard in my career. But then I, you know, there was a point where you know, right around you know, ninety four, ninety five, where I started picking up on the graphic design world and and working, you know, um, uh, like I I started working kind of um, as a freelancer and a production designer um, for some pretty big companies. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with Saatchi and Saatchi, mm-hmm. Ogilvy and Mather, uh, Gray. We were working for a subsidiary of Gray, Gray Direct, the mail order kind of thing. I was working with them. Bernard Hodes, which was recruitment advertising, and started getting into that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked it. And it was like I made my own niche in there, and, and I started making some pretty good money, mm. you know, and then got salaried. And I, I, did, I did that. Um, kind of work up until 99 mm-hmm. 
And then in 99, the headhunters started coming out, the, the dot-com dot boom, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and they were looking for graphic designers. They didn't care, and they got my name from another person. They're just, one, this one headhunter was just like, yeah, we saw your stuff. I saw your website. Not a lot of people have websites, right? It's like, you have your website. You look, you're doing good work, you know. Do you want a job out in California, you know, in Silicon Valley? <laughs> 99 that was the year <laughs> they wanted they wanted they, they were headhunting everybody they yeah. were recruiting everybody and they mm -hmm. were giving some big bonuses big money to come out right up front mm -hmm. and i was like yeah i want to come out to california <laughs> <laughs> so that's how i came out here mm -hmm. and you went to you went to san francisco at that point oh um no i was actually gonna go um to san jose mm -hmm. idea labs was the name of the company okay yeah and i didn't get the job <laughs> you know i was bummed san jose i was like that's perfect san jose that's my name you know i gotta i gotta get a job there but i got i got an offer from in san francisco and it was pretty good at the time it was pretty good money um and I was like, yeah, cool. I'll go to San Francisco. Sounds great. Um, to work on a, you know, I think it was called, they were called Razor or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, the name of the company. Um, and we had everything sussed out. And then a company in California was offering me $10,000 more and a signing bonus. And it was LA. And I was like, I got to go to LA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to go to LA. You know, so I took the, I, I, redacted my offer from the company in San Francisco and I came down in 99 uh, to Los Angeles and uh, and I lasted about a year mm -hmm. <laughs> the job a year because everything fell apart yeah 2000 was the yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was a millionaire like for about you know eight months in my head <laughs> and what are you going to do here my, my other co-worker you know we had $10,000 in scouts and we were like you know, like when we went, you know, when we IPO'd or whatever, you know, we would be, be billionaires and what were you going to do? And everybody, some guys were buying stuff. I was like, well, maybe you shouldn't buy that BMW. <laughs> <laughs> they were, I mean, people were spending money mm -hmm. like like they had it. Anyway, that was a pretty interesting thing, like how they would spend money. And I was like, and I said, what are we, like in my head, like existentially, it's like, what are we making? You know, that was my whole thing. Like, what are we making? You know, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way and gave me the signs of like this is not and mm. I fell into a depression at that time something because I felt something coming mm -hmm. you know the, the, the bomb right yeah. you know so pretty interesting mm. what did you do after that well, how did you I went back to school I got my masters uh -huh. um, and I became a therapist mm -hmm. you know so and um, that was one of the best things I could have done it really just it was aligned with everything that I believed in um, and how to be helpful mm -hmm. rather than being in the game, you know, and being in a competitive kind of cutthroat. Like, your design is better. You're always trying to, you know, outdo the other person, staying up late, you yeah. know. Um, and in this this world was exactly what I needed. I mean, I, it, it was difficult to transition when you're making a lot of money and you're like, oh, I have to go to school and, you know, tie in your belt and, you know. And it was right around the, the time when 9-11 happened when mm -hmm. I was in school. And so um, we weren't supposed to start doing therapy at all with clients, but the schools in L.A., like around the, um, right around the airport, um, uh, uh, I forget the schools, um, but around Westchester area, mm -hmm. a lot of the schools, um, they needed therapist to come and work through because everyone was seeing it on TV mm -hmm. all these bodies falling out of the buildings and the kids were exposed to this and all of a sudden the newscast were like oh you know the media was like turn it off turn it off you know but they but but how much how, how many how there was there was so much already that they were exposed mm -hmm. to you know so so we were going in there working through a lot of the trauma so um, but it was good I mean it was it was it was a privilege and it was it was good to be of service and I knew this is exactly what I wanted to do um, but still be the artist. Right? Mm -hmm. I still draw, right? You know, that's, you know, I, 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 in parallel to that career, I became an art therapist, mm -hmm. right? Because that was the, that was the, the field that I wanted to get into, right? Along with being an MFT, I went in and, and, and went into the art therapy program because I was, you know, I'm an artist, right? 
And at the time, I was in therapy, and my therapist says, this will be a great program. I was like, having an existential crisis. I was, the dot-com bomb came, and then I was like, what do I do? So I was in therapy at the time, and she's like, you should go check out the school, LMU. Hmm. And I was like, cool, I'll check it out. I talked to, um, at the time, she was the, uh, the clinical director at the time, or the, the director, not the clinical director. She was the director of the school program, and she... Um, recruited me and she was like you gotta come and I said sure I'll go you know, so and then the rest for that stage of my life you know which is in 2001 um, was it just changed my life you know, in a direction that I didn't see coming mm-hmm. you know when you ask like so what was the next steps where were you going I was like I have no idea you know I just followed a lot of my intuition mm. my gut um, a lot of soul searching which I'm still doing today. You know, I'm, not, I'm not done yet. Um, it's a good journey. I, I really enjoy um, being being alive, mm. being a human. I'm I'm an optimist, you know, to a fault. I get into a lot of arguments with people, <laughs> and I'm like, well, you don't have all the facts, you know. That we are getting better as a society. There's a great book that just came out that I'm wanting to buy. Put it on hold on my on my library card in my in my phone which is awesome if you haven't heard of libby mm-hmm. you, to, you know libby oh libby yeah on, yeah it's great i just got hooked on it um but it's a great book that just came out by hans rosling um factfulness mm-hmm. um and it talks about um how we are getting better how how we are much better than we were you know and it's giving he's giving facts you know, he's talking about facts he's like well i'm a, a statistician right statistician uh, out of sweden and he's like, yeah, we we collect all the data, and we here. This is what's this is what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. People warp the reality of the of the facts, right? This is what we're talking about right? mm-hmm. in this day and age. But yeah, so um, how do we get on that? <laughs> <laughs> it's an existential journey through. Uh... Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did you? Because, I mean, it, it sounds like art was still very present and you were saying to yourself, you know, I want to continue doing art. But did you ever have a moment, especially after the, the dot-com um, bust, where you were like, I need to put this away. I can't, I can't look at this right now. Or was there always a need and a drive in you that, to, to create something? To be for, 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 uh, for art? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, you know, being an artist... I tend to put things away at times, you mm-hmm. know, and I always, when I come back to it, I always get better. Um, and at that time, I was writing more. I think writing was my outlet at the time, and I was doing some really dark poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was important for me, you know, as far as a lot of stuff that I was still resolving in my therapy and, and in my own life. Um, transitioning from uh, working and making a lot of money dating and, you know, having a brand new car and, like, living by the beach, you know, in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. You know, it was fantastic. Um, to, like, crickets, like, you know, like, the, <laughs> just nothing, right? It was nothing. Uh, and being deathly afraid, you know. I remember one night um, I'm out here and it's a year in and I'm just, I remember falling into this depression where I was just, kind of slept for 16 hours and cried myself to sleep, you know, like in, in, a, in a bundle, right, in my, my bed. Um, and just being definitely afraid of what, what's, what, was, what was to come, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right? And I was out here alone, no family, right? So I was like, oh, defeat, you know, I got to go back to New York and head back, you know, to my mom's apartment or whatever. To my childhood apartment again, right? I was like, that's not happening. That was more depressing, right, <laughs> to have to go back, you know? So, um, so that, that writing really helped me come kind of come through and then being in therapy was very helpful because again, Sandy, my therapist at the time was very helpful. She pointed me towards, right? LMU. Mm -hmm. LMU was like a whole new, like, what? It's here, you know? And there was some guiding forces that were really, you know, there for me, you know? Um, I had my portfolio out there and I had, I said, I can't have a full-time job and go to school. I have to figure that out. Um, and at the last hour, the 11th hour, um, I contracted remotely with a company in Boston. Hmm. And that saved my life. 
they sent me a check the next day. I was about to pack it in and say, I can't go to school. Mm-hmm. But they said, would you like to work with us? And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you, a, are you a, like, a, like a scam or something? <laughs> right? But she he says, no, we'll send you a check tomorrow to retain you. Mm. So I got a check for $1,000 in the mail the next day. And I was like, hallelujah. She had about $15,000 worth of work for me, mm-hmm. you know, for you know, a few months. And I was like, this is insane. Like, how does that happen? Right. And I could work from home at any time. You mm-hmm. know? Um, and that saved me. That, that, that led me to be able to go to school. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, but, uh, but the art stuff, it was just getting started. Right? As far as me, being an artist was already there. It was established. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had, I think I call it the classical training, right? Um, being in school, high school and, and, and school, I just drew and drew and drew and drew and drew and drew. And then now I was like, okay, I want to draw again. Right, and I saw Harvey Picard's work, mm-hmm. American Splendor, and I was like, "This is so cool! <laughs> this guy doesn't even draw, you know." And he was just telling like, these like benign stories, like these like everyday stories. Where I thought was like fantastic. I was like, mm. "This is great!" So I started writing stories, but mine were whack. Like I would like, and then I went to IKEA, and then I put this thing together, <laughs> <laughs> and I drew. I, I drew myself. You know, putting together furniture. Mm-hmm. You know, like, kind of like wacky and having these existential thoughts while I'm putting furniture together, right? Mm-hmm. Drawing it or having a conversation with my mom. Um, and that was I called it the life according to Jose, I, you know, like in the spirit of Harvey Picard, and mm-hmm. that, right? I just loved it. Um, and uh, and I was like, okay, I, I I'm doing art now, and I got to share it, right? Because I was like, I'm not gonna sit here right i want to share it um i don't know what compelled me but i just wanted to share it so i was like cool and, and my friends liked oh, this is great so i was sharing with them you know and then i took a bold move um i was really interested in um in sharing i got a, a email from ape you know alternative mm-hmm. press expo yeah back in 2004 um i started this thing called crime macho man so crime macho man um was my title Right, and my website for my kind of mad magazine, like all the stuff that I was doing, and it was more editorial, like you know, uh, editorial art, uh, but that spoofing things. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Bush was really you know, at the time, was pretty big, um, <laughs> and and it was easy to skewer him and, and, and make poke fun at that and poke fun at celebrity and the absurdity of life and, and of what was going on, the war that we got into, mm-hmm. Saddam Hussein, all that political stuff was really ripe for. You know, comedians and and cartoonists and satirists, right? So I kind of delve into like satirizing and 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 being more in that realm and 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 doing these offbeat kind of uh, weird kind of things that weren't for you know the general public's palate. Right? Mm-hmm. It was more like I'm just gonna do whatever I want and just be crazy and just say whatever, right? And I think I went too far in certain instances, but. It was kind of like my endeavor uh, into the the comics world again, or or in this in this way, I would I would channel my way and connect myself to other artists mm-hmm. who were doing this, and this was kind of like what I wanted to do. And Harvey Picard was that, you know, that that kind of uh, inspiration. And then I went and uh, um, Ape was sending out. I guess feelers for people to come and and but they send out their whole mailing list like everybody that was on the list <laughs> it was about like three or four hundred artists right yeah I was like oh <laughs> you know they didn't BCC they just and I was like I had a mailing list of uh, like the art community mm-hmm. right and I was like oh cool so I started emailing them like my art like yeah I would have just said like every time I did a, a crying macho man oops sorry about that every time I did a crying <laughs> macho man. Um, I would send it out to uh, to all these artists, mm-hmm. and they were like, "What are you doing? Get me off your mailing list!" You know, like, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." You know, like I didn't mean to fed or whatever. But there was two guys mm-hmm. that that were like cool stuff. One was uh, Keith Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know Keith Knight. Mm. Um, he does uh, night. He does nightlife, or uh, yeah, the night nightlife. Um, and he uh, did the K Chronicles up in San Francisco. He's a mm-hmm. celebrity up there, and um, and now he's in. He moved to I think South Carolina or North Carolina. I forget which one, but he got a TV deal with Hulu right now. 
So he's doing uh, a pilot of his life. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's an action. But it's stuff, if you, if you haven't heard of him, seen his stuff, check him out, Keith Knight. He responded to one of my strips, and he was like, cool, man, I really dig what you're doing here, and, and, and I love that you did this with Tribe Called Quest. I did a, a skit with Tribe Called Quest and, and did myself just dancing mm-hmm. to Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> <laughs> just me dancing. <laughs> he, he dug it because I did the whole, all the lyrics. And then there was also Javier Hernandez. Mm-hmm. He dug some of this stuff. He's like, this is cool, man. You should come out to Ape or whatever. So they inspired me and they were like connected to me. And then I went out as a as a consumer um, to to Ape in 2005. And I met Javier and I met Keith. Mm-hmm. And they were like, cool, man. I like what you're doing with Crying Macho, man. That's awesome. And then Javier was like, yeah, man, that's great. And he was just, you know, just beginning to get some traction with El Muerto, you know, and, and later to, to have the movie made later on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those guys were really great mentors, right? People who who were connected. And I'm still connected to Javier to this day. And I just saw him the other the other day at the East LA Comic Con mm-hmm. over there, uh, conventioning to there. He's like, I didn't know you were gonna be here. I, was like, I didn't know you were gonna be here. <laughs> I said, No, I knew you were gonna be here because you you always post. I'm bad at posting. <laughs> You're really good at it. And he's like, Yeah. Him and and Rafael Navarro. You know Rafael? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so being connected and having that support through the early stages of, of Crying Macho Man. And then I retired Crying Macho Man. I was like, you know, 2013, um, I, uh, I put it to rest because um, I had so many different kind of life cycles through it, you know. Um, but the first book I thought was really good, mm. Prime Cut. I should have brought you a copy, um, <laughs> but I can get you a copy. Mm. Um, I brought you a copy of another thing, though, that oh, I nice. give you. Thank um, you. But, um, but yeah, The Cry Macho Man and then um, retiring that and then wanting to f- do art. Because like, that was more like the, uh, you know, the panel. The Mine was more like a standalone panel or a few panels and then writing something absurd about what was going on, mm-hmm. you know, um, and... and abstracting or chronicling what was going on at the time, right? Um, that's what good, good artists should be doing, right? Uh, <laughs> um, really re- representing certain certain aspects of society. And for me, that was important, right? I was more an o- o- overt um, activist, right? Mm-hmm. And, and really kind of, uh, you know, and, and today, you know, I think I'm, I, I've grown a lot and, and wanting to be more quiet and mindful and having a mindfulness meditation practice makes me want to be more quiet and say less. Mm-hmm. So I've decided that I want to become, instead of an overt activist, a subliminal activist, right, with the art mm-hmm. and what the art has to say. And, and not to hammer people over the head. I think, I think we're on a path. Everyone has their path. Mm. You know, and I'm not here to judge. Yeah. I'm here to judge people's path. You know, I'm not here to beat them. And I think I was doing that with Crying Macho Man. I mm. was like, you know, um, being not... I was in no way hateful. There was no no hate in it, but there was definitely skewering and and, and, and and taking things that I was seeing in the media, like Tom Hanks on the sofa. Like remember he was jumping mm-hmm. up and down that one. Yeah, Tom point. Cruise. Yeah, Tom yeah, Tom <laughs> Hanks, Tom Cruise, thank you. Um and and doing a skit about that. Um and and, and just different things that I was doing that I, I thought was relevant, but it was already being Set and 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 that I, I tried to go back to crying macho. Actually, that's I didn't completely retire crying macho man. I tried to go back with crying macho man with Trump. Mm-hmm. So in 2017, right around the inauguration, I started doing a, a, a bunch of strips with you know with Trump. You know, and I did some kind of gag um, posters like instead of the shining, the tweeting. You know, mm-hmm. he's like with the phone breaking the door. He's like, here's <laughs> Donnie. You know, like. <laughs> The, the Statue of Liberties in the corner crowding like mm-hmm. this. She's the Shelley Duvall character. So I started doing these bunch of posters, you know, just because I was so angry and I was mm-hmm. an outlet and an overt, right, activist. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, you know, that whole uh, idea of becoming of service, right? When, when I say of service, meaning like how do... How do I have a voice with my art? What can I have an impact? Maybe mm. even a little. Maybe someone you know says, "Cool, this is cool. This is great. You know, keep keep the energy alive uh, and say something." Um, and that's not and that's not for me. Like I always, I'm always careful about 
what I'm looking at and how I want to be have a voice and what I what I want to say have meaning. That in any way doesn't contrast and, and I'm I'm down on others who don't have a vo- or don't mm-hmm. have that or just doing like hey I'm doing this cool kind of superhero thing you know I I love that I think that's important I think yeah. everyone has their voice but for me I, I think I I I really started to find what I want to do what what my, what the images come up and, and then I started doing more back to illustrations back to like these pieces uh, of art that were more involved that were more meditative that just kind of went into it mm-hmm. right? Um, even to a point where I, I did a series of four-part series of uh, big posters of I call them the meditation heroes, right? So these, there's these typical archety- archetypal kind of heroes like the cowboy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and I did the cowboy, the fireman. Um, it was the other one, uh, fighter pilot. But I had them all in these meditative poses, and I had them in um, the elements like mm. water, fire, right, earth. Um, and I think the other one is air, right? Um, and so for me, those were important. These are like meditative pieces that kind of explored that that side of me that was kind of like, I want to be quiet and I want to be evocative. I want to be like that that moment when I saw Brad Holland's work, that emotional output, right? Mm-hmm. Where you see something, you're like, wow, that really just does something for me. Right? And I think... I wanted to do that, and I want to do that. I still want to. Not that I wanted to. I, I, that's what I want to do now, right? Mm. Where, where I look at, you know, an image and an idea I have for kind of a big poster is, um, like, these interactions with with people, like a woman coming out of a bridal shower, like shop, right? With her bridesmaids, and they're all kind of wispy, and one of them is looking over her shoulder. And there's these indigenous like family right at the wall, right, with a cup in their hand, mm-hmm. kind of begging for food. And they and two, like maybe the, the younger ones are looking at each other, right? And then everyone's doing their thing. Mm. Right? And you see these two worlds collide, right? Like that image in that sense, we, we kinda get it, right? We kinda understand that. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the imagery and beautiful composition, beautiful tapestry, you know, so that it can also be really appealing to the eye. And say something too subtle, maybe, mm-hmm. right? Maybe not too subtle. <laughs> like you describe it that way, but that's kind of like the art that I'm heading towards, mm-hmm. right? that I'm wanting to do more of. And I have so much art in me, Jamie. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I ain't even started, you know. I feel, like, but I don't have time, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I have so much art in me, you know. Like I need several lifetimes <laughs> to do more art. But I'm, but I'm gonna hack away at what I can, you know. Um, but still, right. Um, what, do you have any shows coming up, or do, where, where can people find your work? Um, recently, I'm I'm in the middle of um, sussing out um, a show that I possibly will have in July, July 14th, mm-hmm. um, and it'll be a two-man show, me and Lonnie Millsap. Have you heard of Lonnie? I haven't, no. No, you have to have him on your show. He's pretty <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, he is... He's actually a guest of Comic Con. Mm. He gets the hotel. He gets the the limousine. You know, like he's he's pretty he's pretty awesome. He's a really dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I see him every other week. You know me and Jim. You know Jim, right? Mm-hmm. Jim Luhan. We we're really dear friends. And um, but I'm I'm thinking of, I might be doing a show with him mm-hmm. uh, July 14th. But um, the next show would be Latino Comic Expo. But I don't have any shows in particular uh, set up. The last show I did was the East LA Comic Con, which is, I think it was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. or I think, or a week and a half ago. Um, and that was fun. I had a great time doing that. But no, nothing nothing uh, that I can give you a definitive date of, but definitely doing more shows. Mm-hmm. I retired for a little while. Uh, and now I'm starting to do shows again. <laughs> I was doing about seven to eight shows a year. Mm. Um, and now I went down to none <laughs> <laughs> for a few years. I had a kid. That's why. Yeah. You know, I have, I have a daughter. And uh, and that took a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. You know? so, that will. And it still does. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, but I love her dearly. Um, but yeah. Excellent. Jose, thank you so much for coming down and talking. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time.
That's it for the show. We will be back in two weeks. You can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at whoiam at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am.